0: How many of you are ready to, to hear uh, the last portion, and it's been so, so good, but the, we're going to be closing off our stewardship series tonight, and uh, we're looking forward to our next series, uh, but this one has been so, so good, and we're going we're gonna to finish that off tonight. If you have your Bibles with you, we're not going to read it just yet, but turn to John chapter 6. Think about that time when, if you have children here, maybe when your, your kindergartner came up to you and said, said mommy, daddy, uh, we, learned, we learned how to add today in school, and I'm sure the first thing you will tell that, that boy or girl is you will say, oh, that's awesome. That is so cool, I'm so glad to hear that. And then you ask him, what's one plus one? and then you expect them to say what good oh you guys, you guys are on it you guys are on it thank god for schooling you know if they said any other number you would correct them right yes why because if if they said if they said one plus one is 10 and you said oh that's so good and you, and, and, and you said, oh, you are, you are so right. You'd be hurting them, wouldn't you? You'd be hurting them. You know, although, although you want to show love to them because they are your child, you would be doing them harm if you said, yes, you are correct. One plus one is 10. Today I entitled this message, one plus one equals, and then I leave that blank because I believe when it comes to this problem here that we may have an answer, but then God may say something different. I may know that there's things that we have planned in our lives, and, and we, we set out to do those things, but God says, you know what? And God's not try- I don't believe God's trying to throw us a curveball. But he teaches us in these instances. But he says one plus one is one plus one, two. See, what, if, what is our reaction to God when he says the answer is four? What if God says to you, one plus one is four? What are you going to do? How are you going to respond to that? How did Noah respond when God told Noah to build an ark even though there was no rain? What did Abraham say when he was 100 years old and without child and God says, you're gonna be a father of many generations? He was 100 years old and had no kids. See, what happens in our lives when God says one plus one equals four? What if God told you that you were going to be healed of whatever it is that that your body is facing, but the doctor gave you a short life expectancy? What happens when God says one plus one equals four in your life? Do you try to correct him? Do you try to say, you know what, God? You know, I've been following you a long time. You know, we've gone through these tough times in my life, and, you know, I thank you for that. You were with me. You were strengthening me. And yes, you kept your word, God. But you're telling me something That sounds crazy right now. See, because school told me one plus one equals two. And so if you say any other number, how can I believe that? What if everyone everyone looks at me when I tell them what God told me to do and they look at me like I'm crazy? What do I do? How am I supposed to look, God? Come on, I have an image to keep. What if people look at me as crazy? Don't you think Noah for a split second may have possibly thought that? They're going to think I'm crazy. What do you mean build this ark? What are you talking about? And it didn't happen overnight. If you've ever built something, you know that it takes time. The Bible says that it may have took around maybe like 65 years or so, give or take 10 years. That's a long time. That's a lifetime. But he was building and he was building because God told him to build it. Don't you think there were times when he thought in his head, this is crazy. What am I doing? Should I just quit? We're not going anywhere here. There's no rain in sight. Why am I doing this? You see, how was Noah and Abraham supposed to see, or how were they able to see the supernatural multiplication of God? You see, their availability had to be greater than their ability. I'm not, I'm not asking you to bring anything to me like if you have something that I need. <laughs> you don't have anything that I need. All I'm asking you is to be available. All I'm asking you is just, to, is just to, be, is to submit your life unto my authority and I will guide you and I will prepare you and I will equip you and I will strengthen you and I will love you and I will never fail you. isn't that an awesome promise i mean who's gonna say no to that see god's ways are not our ways we may not be able to explain or even understand how or why god does what he does because his ways are not our ways how does generosity How does generosity, the act of giving, how does that cause us to be more blessed? How does it cause us to have more? How can giving bring more into our lives? How is that possible? And that's that multiplication power of God that we're talking about. John 6, chapter 1, turn with me there. John 6, chapter 1, you should, be there, you should be there already. It says this, and I'm reading out of the message translation. And it says, after this, Jesus went across the sea of Galilee, some call it Tiberias. A huge crowd followed him, attracted by the miracles they had seen him do among the sick. When he got to the other side, he climbed a hill and sat down, surrounded by his disciples it was nearly time for the feast of Passover kept annually by the Jews. When Jesus looked out and saw that a large crowd had arrived, he said to Philip, Where can we buy bread to feed these people? He said this to stretch Philip's faith. He already knew what he was going to do. Philip answered, 200 silver pieces wouldn't be enough to buy bread for each person to get a piece one of the disciples it was Andrew brother to Simon Peter said there's a little boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish but that's a drop in the bucket for a crowd like this Jesus said make the people sit down there was a nice carpet of green grass in this place They sat down, about 5,000 of them. Then Jesus took the bread and, having given thanks, gave it to those who were seated. He did the same with the fish. All ate as much as they wanted. When the people had eaten their fill, he said to his disciples, Gather the leftovers so nothing is wasted. They went to work and filled 12 baskets. 12 large baskets with leftovers from the five barley loaves what an amazing amazing miracle that took place that very day this is the one miracle that is in all four gospels matthew mark luke and john and when we, talk about, when we talk about the validity and the authenticity of God's word, we, we use this in regards to looking at the four gospels to compare the four because they were written by four different people. And so we look at this as evidence, right? When you're trying to prove something, you're looking at evidence, Well, we're looking at four different writers here with the same exact story. So you have authenticity, you have have them validating that this actually took place. Because people can read this and think, oh, that's just a story in the Bible. No, the Bible is real. The Bible is inspired by God, and God God uses eyewitnesses like this to validate his word. The feeding of the 5,000. The first point tonight, and I need you to help me with this, turn to your neighbor and tell him, tell them, stretch your faith. Come on, tell them, you need to stretch your faith. How many of you like exercising? Raise your hand if you like exercising. I said if you like exercising. Not if you feel that you have to. <laughs> Not if the doctor made you. All right, couple hands. A couple of you like to exercise. I remember, well, let me ask this question. Have any of you ever done something physically spontaneously? <laughs> and I'm going to give you a better example of this. I remember a few years back, my daughter challenged me to a race. Now, I'm not, I'm not that old, right? You know, uh, yeah, I'm, I won't give you my age, but I'm not that old. And so, me, I'm a very competitive person. Let's just say that. My daughter is just like me. <laughs> God knew, God knew what I needed. She's just like me. She's very competitive, we don't we don't know the word quit. That is not in our vocabulary. And so when she challenges me, when she challenged me to a race, I was going to beat her no matter what. Dad is not going to lose. <laughs> I'm not going down like this. Especially to a little girl. <laughs> now you have to understand that I hadn't been in a foot race since like high school. <laughs> so this is now fast forward about 20 years. It's been some time. You know, I've I ran on some treadmills. You know, I've been, I've been on some jogs, you know, since then, you know, in the past 20 years. But never in like an actual race race where, you know, where I had to beat someone else. I remember throwing a little... Bit of trash talk in there, right? You know, because that's just, that's just how I work. You know, I got I to gotta psych her out, you know, to, to, to make her, you know, maybe think, you know, Dad, dad's got me. You know, I, I can't beat this guy. So I threw a little trash talk in. And I remember once that race started, about two seconds in, I felt a muscle that was pulled. <laughs> but listen, listen, that didn't stop me. She didn't even know, Right? I pulled the muscle, but I kept running. I'm in pain, and I keep running. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, how am I going to finish this? How am I going to finish this? And not only finish, but I have to beat her. How am I going to do this? And so I just keep running and running and running. Finally, you know, after about, it felt like eight hours, uh, it was done. Now I beat her. (laughs) She may say something different, but don't believe her. (laughs) I beat her. But what she didn't realize was after when I got home, I was in pain. Now my wife knew because I told her I was in pain. But why? You know, I'm not that old. You know, I, I'm not you know that poor condition. Well, maybe, or maybe. But it was because I didn't stretch. I just thought, you know what? I can, I can do this. I've done it before. You know, even though it was 20 years ago, I've done it before. I know how to do this. And I remember even when I was running, when I first started, I felt like I was carrying someone on my back. (laughs) That's how out of shape I was. You know, in those times where you think like you're running really, really fast, like in a dream, right, you're running really, really fast, but you're going really, really slow. (laughs) That's what it was like. But I understood the importance of stretching. I understood that hey, when these, when these fitness coaches tell you the importance of stretching, they mean business. They don't want you to get hurt. They don't want you to pull a muscle. They wanna get their money's worth, and so to get their money's worth, amen, they have to, they have to keep you in good shape. See, Jesus understood the importance of this principle of stretching. He understood it. The Bible says here in verses 5 and 6, it says, When Jesus looked out and saw that a large crowd had arrived, he said to Philip, Where can we buy bread to feed these people? The Bible says he said this to stretch Philip's faith. Because the Bible says Jesus already knew what he was going to do. Jesus already knew how he was going to fulfill this need. See, when Jesus Jesus understood this principle of stretching, so what Jesus was telling Peter, so to speak, was, was Peter, well, I'm sorry, uh, Philip, was, uh, Philip, let's race. What he was saying was, let's see how conditioned your faith is. Let's see how conditioned you are in your faith. Does Jesus want us to fail? No, he doesn't. He wants to train us. He wants to show us how to be victorious. He wants to show us how to win the race. And he wants to condition you and I. But it's those times of, of, uh, where we don't feel very comfortable in that stretching process. And you say, God, what are you doing? God, this doesn't feel right. God, I thought it was supposed to be, you know, j- just, you know, uh, 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 you know on, on cloud nine, my relationship with you. I thought it was, you know, life was supposed to get better and easier. And I was going to see all these blessings. God, what is going on? It feels like life is tougher now than it was before. See, God is stretching you and I. Can you picture Philip stressing about how they were going to feed the 5,000? Can you picture him when Jesus says, Philip, how are we going to do this? Where are we going to buy this bread? Um, I mean, uh, he's looking at 5,000 people, right? Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. You see, wouldn't it be something that, that most people would say? To give someone an impossible task like that? See, Jesus already had a plan. He just wanted to give Philip an opportunity to answer correctly by trusting in the Lord. But what Philip ended up saying was, we don't have enough resources to feed all these people. We don't have it. It's not here. See, but Philip kind of misses the whole question because Jesus asked where they could buy the bread. But Philip jumped straight to how much it would cost to feed the entire party. See, Jesus sought to stretch Philip's faith. Turn to your neighbor again and tell him, stretch your faith. Secondly, secondly is be patient. Verse 10 through 11 says this, says Jesus said, make the people sit down. There was a nice carpet of green grass in the place. They sat down, about 5,000 of them. Then Jesus took the bread and and having given thanks, gave it to those who were seated. See, patience is something that God is constantly training us in, isn't it? isn't it every morning on the way to work god is teaching me patience he does it i might i might not see it at the time but i you know i understand it right now when i'm speaking to you that god teaches me patience every single day of my life why because i need help i need help in that area god knows that i struggle in patience I want things yesterday, right, just like you do. I want it right now. I don't want to have to wait. And so God is having to constantly teach us and train us. And I hope to help us all tonight on this subject very quickly here. Let's look at two things that we must do to help Us in this area of patience. Let's look at two things very quickly here. It's going to help you and I in the area of patience. Number one is wait quietly. Turn to your neighbor and tell him you need to wait quietly. Psalm chapter 62 verse 5 says, I wait quietly before God for my hope is in him. Very important second part there. I wait quietly before God for my hope is in him. See, we must be careful not to fall into the pit of complaining as we are being patient. See, because complaining and patience, uh, they don't go together. That's not being patient. That's, that's, you, that's you and I uh, trying, to, trying to tell God how to do things our way, how we think it should be done, and so we complain because we don't like God's process. Isn't that the fact? When you complain, it's because you don't like the way things are being done, and so you're saying, let me do it my way. Let me show you how it should Be done. Let the truth of God's word bring you and I comfort in knowing that God knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. God doesn't make mistakes. Everything truly does happen for a reason in your life. I know it may sound cliche, but God doesn't make mistakes. Nothing surprises him. Not only do we need to wait expectantly, I'm sorry, wait quietly, but we need to wait expectantly. Psalm chapter 130 verse 5 says, I wait expectantly, trusting God to help, for he has promised. See, we commonly associate patience with something of, like, lying down, right? I'm just, I'm just being patient. I'm just waiting on God here on my, on my lazy boy sofa. I'm just waiting on God. Come on, God. Do your thing. See, waiting for God is not laziness or going to sleep or even or even the abandonment of effort waiting expectantly upon the lord is being ready for any command that may come your way that's what it means it's being ready to go when god calls you you need to move when god says now is the time guess what now is the time if you're if you're in your if you're in your flip-flops and your tank top, then guess what? You weren't you weren't quite ready, right? We need to wait expectantly. See you must expect to hear from God. I tell you that. When you walk through these doors, you need to come through expecting God to do great things in your life. You need to come expecting, amen. Because you are coming into the house of the Lord. Amen. The house of the Lord. When someone throws a party and you know this person has money. You go to their house expecting some good stuff, right? Because you know they have money. And you're like, oh, you know what? They're gonna have some good food. You know what? They're gonna they're gonna, you know, just just treat us like, like royalty. How do you come when you come into the house of the Lord? Do you come with your head down and thinking, oh, man, I really don't want to be here. They forced me to come. I, you know, I just, I had better things to do. I could have, I could have been home washing clothes. (laughs) I don't know what you may have planned. Man, I have, I have so many things I need to take care of before work tomorrow. God, I have so much on my plate. can't i can't i can't do this church thing tonight i can't there's too much going on god come on how am i supposed to get all this done when when you know we have service so many times (laughs) during the week there's always something happening they always want me to be there how do i get these things done Or do you walk in these doors and you think, you know what, I have so many things that I have to get done, but when I walk through these doors, God's gonna give me the strength. God is, God is gonna give me, God is gonna give me a, a, a people in my life to help me out. I know he is. I know he is. I know that when I give him praise, all I need to do right now is just give him praise, that that he's going to bless me. He's going to bless me in abundance. I'm so stressed right now. I feel so overcome right now. But God is going to take these things from my shoulders, all these weights that I'm carrying, all these concerns and worries, God is going to take them when I walk through those doors. Because I've come expecting See, waiting on God is never a waste of time. In fact, it's some of the best time (laughs) that you are ever going to invest in your life. Psalm 31, verse 14 says, But I am trusting you, O Lord, saying, You are my God. He says, My future is in your hands. Your future is in God's hands. Your future is in God's hands. Your future is in God's hands. You are in his hands. You don't have to worry. All you have to do is trust in him. See, God doesn't promise us that in our waiting things will get easier, because like I said before, many times it seems like things get more difficult. But David writes this in Psalm 46, verse 1, that you need to hold on to. He says, God is our refuge and strength. God is my safe place. God is my security. And he is my strength. See, David understood that all of life's circumstances are under God's control. Everything everything even those things that you think are out of control we all have those things in our lives we can think of things right now in our lives that we kn- that we could think of that are out of control we don't have a handle on them but god has it under control and many times we don't realize that the writer of hebrews chapter 10 verse 23 says let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. So we need to be patient. We do this. We do this as we wait quietly and as we wait expectantly. We do this through the, through the knowledge of God's word. Not only does your strength need to be Stretched, or I'm sorry, your faith need to be stretched. And God needs to help us to be patient. But lastly, the third point here is that it'll make sense in the end. It'll make sense in the end. See, John 6, verse 14 says this after all that took place says the people realized that god was at work among them the people realized that god was at work among them in what jesus had just done they said this is the prophet for sure god's prophet right here in galilee See, there was no mistaking when they saw Jesus perform that miracle. Why? Because that was impossible for anyone else to do. Can you imagine just trying to feed us in here with like three peanut butter and jelly sandwiches? Some of you probably came hungry tonight. And you're like, nah, that ain't going to work. You need to find some more food right now. I know where to buy food. Don't worry, all right? You're know, like, I'm not like Philip. I know where to buy the food. This is not going to fly. How can we all survive on three peanut butter and jelly sandwiches? See, but this is what's, this is what's so key and so important for us to grasp and so difficult for us to live with at the same time, let me explain this, is that the supernatural things that God does makes no sense to us. (laughs) You see, it's awesome, but at the same time, when you're going through it, you don't understand it. And what am I saying? God does things so miraculously that you can't explain how it was done. No one can explain how they were able to feed that great multitude with such little food. No one can. And then to even go past that, just to go past even the feeding, right? The feeding is a miracle in itself. But then the leftovers. How do you explain the leftovers? They had more left over than they originally had from the beginning. How is that possible? Because God does things that we can't explain. If he made it something that was simple, then he wouldn't be God. If he made it something that you could figure out, then what sets him apart from you and I? be just like us you would look at it and you could say oh i can do that <laughs> it's no big deal really that's all he can do <laughs> i've seen that done before you can't explain this and you can't duplicate it Amen. it can't be done How about that little boy who gave the five loaves and two fish? The Bible doesn't talk about where that boy was going with that food. We don't know if he was taking the food home to his family. We don't know if that was his lunch. We don't know what, what took place or, or how he, he or, you know, where he was going with that food. But what an act of Generosity because he willingly gave. The disciples didn't rob him. You know, they didn't say, hey, look, kid, give me your food or else, All Right? They weren't, they weren't, you know, bullying him. He willingly gave of what he had. He said, yes, you guys, you guys can have this. They didn't force him into doing it. The boy was willing to sacrifice. See, we may not be able to understand or comprehend what God is doing at the time, but God promises us that he will never fail us. He'll never fail us. God promises us that whatever we entrust to him, that that will be blessed. Why? Because you have put that into the hands of the supernatural multiplication, power of Christ Jesus. That's what you and I have done when you trust in the Lord. You say, God, I'm gonna allow you to multiply it as only you can do. God, you have called me to be a steward, to be a wise manager of that which you have entrusted me with. And that goes with everything, our time, our relationships, our finances. God has entrusted these things to you. And God has called us to be stewards. How do we respond when God says 1 plus 1 equals 4? What if God says 1 plus 1 equals 100? What are you going to say? Are we going to try to correct him? Are we going to allow our simple minds to cause us to question, to cause us to doubt? Well, that's really, that's not accurate. Uh, I don't want to say anything, but it's not right. That doesn't, that doesn't equate. That's not possible. Or will We allow God to stretch our faith and trust in him. Are you going to allow God to do that? Because God is stretching some of you tonight. He's stretching you right now. And you may think, God, what is going on? You're being stretched. Your faith is being stretched right now. You may say God I have so little but you have called me to do so much your faith is being stretched. You're saying you're saying I've been told this and God you're telling me this your faith is being stretched. And God says and God says I will never fail you but you say but you say how God can you get me through this and your faith is being stretched. See God is doing this in your life right now. God has called us to trust in him, church. Trust in him. Trust in him. Be available for God to use. God isn't concerned about your your abilities or lack of. God says, just be available. Just be a steward, a steward of that which I have given and entrusted you with. And God says, and I will give you more. I will give you more. See, because one plus one doesn't always equal two, God says. You, you might think it because that, that's what you've been trained uh, here on Earth all these years. God says, but no, I am not bound by your simple math here on, on, on this Earth. Uh, I have I have, a different, I have a different plan, and one plus one doesn't always equal two because if you read the stories in the Bible, one plus one didn't equal two, amen? It did not equal two. It equaled a totally different number. Why? Because because that's who God is. God is supernatural. God does things that we, that we can never even fathom. God's ways are not our ways, and God is always, God is always, amen, on the throne, amen. Let's give God praise tonight. Let's give him praise, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you are worthy. Lord, you are worthy. Your name be praised your name be lifted high lord help us to trust in you help us to put all of our faith in you father thank you jesus thank you jesus hallelujah as every head is bowed every eye closed